On July 31st, Riyad Salemi stepped down as the governor of Lebanon's central bank. A small group of people gathered outside to cheer and applaud him as he waved goodbye. It was probably not the send-off that Salemi had dreamed of, but for many Lebanese, his tenure had been a nightmare. This week on The New Arab Voice, why has Riyad Salemi stepped down from the central bank? What does the future hold for the institution and the country's economy? And will the former governor be able to evade justice? I'm Hugo Goodridge, and you're listening to The New Arab Voice. Riyad Salemi is a household name in Lebanon, but not a good household name. In recent years, he has become synonymous with the country's problems. As the governor of the central bank, he has overseen the collapse of the economy, with many casting him as the author of these problems. With the governor's recent departure, we sat down to discuss Riyad Salemi with Karim Bittar, professor of international relations at San Joseph University and friend of the podcast. I started by asking him if there was ever a time when Riyad Salemi was good for Lebanon and the Lebanese economy. Well, I'm not sure if he was good for Lebanon or the Lebanese economy, but he was uh, certainly uh, praised uh, in his first years as uh, governor. He was uh, presented, at least uh, in uh, certain media, as an energetic, uh, far-sighted uh, governor. And he decided from the very beginning to spend significant amounts of money on communication. So he reaped the benefits of these uh, communication campaigns. And uh, for a while, a lot of people were smitten by his uh, profile and uh, uh, even uh, certain Western countries perceived him as a potential president of Lebanon. Now, we have to distinguish several faces in Riyad Salami's career. So he was appointed 30 years ago in 1993 by Rafik Hariri. He was uh, previously Rafik Hariri's uh, asset uh, manager at uh, Mary Lynch. And until uh, 2005, when Rafik Hariri was assassinated, uh, Riyad Salame was basically Hariri's man at the central bank. So he was in the shadow of uh, Rafi Hariri. He was uh, implementing uh, policies that were decided by Rafi Hariri. And Rafi Hariri kept him on a pretty uh, tight leash. It was after Rafi Hariri's assassination that progressively uh, Riyad Salame started to lose touch with reality. He succumbed to hubris. He started to believe everything that the media on payroll was uh, saying about him. And he ended up uh, orchestrating this uh, massive nationwide Ponzi scheme that led to the collapse of the Lebanese economy in 2019. So in the 1990s, uh, we could criticize his monetary, his economic uh, policies, his lack of a macroeconomic vision. He was mostly a broker, a wheeler dealer, a shrewd uh, speculator. He never had this global vision. But the criticism was focused on policies. 
after 2015-2016, it became something completely different because he came under severe accusations of uh, corruption, embezzlement, money laundering, falsification of documents. And today, more than six uh, countries uh, in Europe are investigating uh, the source of this massive wealth that uh, he uh, amassed and uh, that he allegedly money laundered by acquiring real estate in several European countries. You mentioned the the Ponzi scheme that he has been accused of engineering. And one of Riyad Salami's uh, big policies uh, during his time was his so-called financial engineering. Could you briefly explain what this financial engineering was and what impact did uh, that have on Lebanon's economy? Well, you know, he was often described as a magician, a magician, as a financial wizard. But actually, uh, these uh, financial engineerings are pretty uh, simple to understand. Lebanon was uh, uh, completely uh, out of uh, cash, uh, was already going uh, bankrupt. And it was simply an attempt to buy some time. His line of defense was saying, I am buying time until the government puts in place the necessary structural reforms, even though he could have easily guessed that the political establishment had no interest and was not going to put in place any of these structural reforms. So he started attracting foreign capital to Lebanon by offering outlandish interest rates. It worked for a while, like all Ponzi schemes, and it ended up collapsing uh, because uh, it always ends in collapse, but also because certain geopolitical factors accelerated this collapse, the war in Syria, the fact that uh, Saad Hariri, the Lebanese prime minister, was held uh, hostage in Saudi Arabia in 2017, which led to a massive uh, escape of capital from Lebanon. Uh, the fact that the Lebanese-Syrian borders were always uh, extremely porous. So geopolitical factors certainly accelerated the collapse, but one could argue that the policies that were put in place in the 1990s would have inevitably led to this collapse because they were uh, short-sighted, because they neglected several sectors of the economy, particularly the most productive sectors of the economy, agriculture and industry. We focused exclusively on the financial sector, on tourism and ser on services. And Lebanon could have gone into the knowledge economy, high tech, uh, into uh, many productive sectors that would have allowed Lebanese youth to stay in their country. But again, uh, there was a complete lack of macroeconomic vision and a pursuit, a greedy pursuit of willingness to make money uh, fast. It became a sort of a casino. And uh, Riyad Salame was uh, the croupier in this casino. He was the chief financial officer of the entire Lebanese mafia. As you've alluded to, the, the economic situation in Lebanon, you know, it, it's bad now, but it's been bad for a number of years. Um, it's, it's dramatically worsened over recent years, but it's been bad for a number of years. Why did Riyad Salame 
have to go now? And how do you think he was able to survive for so long? Well, uh, had he decided not to run for a fifth and last term in 2017, uh, he would have uh, saved uh, his uh, legacy. Uh, he would certainly have been contested by the economists and those who are policy experts, but he would not have been the guy who supervised the economic uh, collapse. Most people think that he accepted the renewal of his term in 2017 because he was eyeing the Lebanese presidency or that he was promised the Lebanese presidency. But to respond to the second part of your question, uh, he would not have been able to stay at the helm of the central bank for 30 years had he not been protected by very powerful uh, political figures from both sides of the aisle. So he was certainly close to Rafi Hariri and uh, to the United States of America, but he also managed to build a very close relationship with Nabih Birri, who became his last protector, and he even helped Hezbollah circumvent the U.S. sanctions. This is why none of the Lebanese political parties objected to the renewal of his term in 2017, even though it was entirely predictable what would happen. And this is why until the very last weeks, even after France and Germany issued Interpol notices, the government did not uh, request his dismissal and allowed him to finish uh, his term. He was the man uh, who knew too much. He knows all the secrets of the Lebanese political and financial oligarchy. So they might have been afraid that he would spill the beans. And it is a system uh, in which... Uh, uh, services uh, rendered are always rewarded. And he, uh, over the years, he offered significant services to most uh, Western countries and to most Lebanese political parties, including Hezbollah. Um, with his departure, the new the vice president of, of the central bank, uh, he spoke to reporters, gave a speech, uh, you know, in which he alluded to things having to change at the central bank. Um, with Salemi's departure, is this a sign that the decision makers in Lebanon are going to start implementing serious economic reforms? And will they be the reforms requested by the IMF to ensure that uh, funding can come into the country? There are many reasons to be skeptical so far, even though the vice governors, even if they have a serious willingness and commitment to implement reforms and uh, sound economic uh, policies, uh, it is highly un unlikely that they will be able to implement uh, these reforms. I'm afraid that Riyad Salami's ghost will continue to hover over the central bank in Hamra, that his policies are here to stay, at least for a while, until there is uh, a new governor with a comprehensive macroeconomic vision who is appointed, a new governor who ideally should not have any conflict of interests and who would have the guts 
to confront the Lebanese political establishment. Uh, so far, this is not the case. Uh, some of these vice governors appear to be uh, decent uh, folks, but they were in office in the past few years. We did not hear any denunciation of Riyad Salami's policies. And last week, they have demanded the authorization of uh, parliament to continue using uh, the already seriously, seriously depleted reserves. And I think this was a poor decision because it could create a dangerous precedent and it could jeopardize the independence of the Lebanese central bank. Because in theory, the governor of the central bank has extraordinary powers in Lebanon. He is one of the most powerful and the most independent Lebanese, uh, independent governors of all central banks worldwide. However, unfortunately, because we have such an incestuous relationship between politics and finance in Lebanon, the governor often has to take into consideration the business interests of the Lebanese political elites, which is why he is often unable to uh, push towards uh, significant structural reforms. Hmm. Um, you, you mentioned earlier how Salemi is, let's say, uh, has legal problems across Europe. Uh, he's currently being investigated by Belgium, France, Germany, Liechtenstein, Luxembourg, and Switzerland. Um, in brief, you know, what have they accused him of? And can he outrun justice? Well, uh, he will definitely, uh, he will likely be able to evade Lebanese justice where he will uh, benefit from political protections. It will be more difficult for him to evade the European justice, he is accused of extremely serious charges. So Fourier associates the company that allowed him to siphon over $335 million was run by his own brother, was registered in the British Virgin Islands. The French judges and the German judges seem to have an extremely solid file. This is why Western governments who were previously cajoling Salami ended up lifting any political cover. France was the first country to uh, stop supporting Salami in 2017 probably because Emmanuel Macron, before entering politics, was a banker when his Lebanese friends who work in the banking sector explained to him what was happening in Lebanon. Macron immediately understood what was going on, and he was the first to speak of a Ponzi scheme. At the time, the banks uh, and their lawyers protested. But today, there is no uh, controversy, uh, and the World Bank published uh, a heavy report uh, titled Ponzi Economics. The German justice system uh, also uh, decided to freeze uh, uh, more than $120 million of uh, real estate assets uh, owned by Salame or uh, his uh, intimate inner circle. So I think that sooner or later uh, he will be subjected to the European justice system. However, he has been, uh, um, his passport was taken out by the Lebanese authorities. So he is sort of captive right now 
which uh, is in the interest of Riyad Salami himself because he claims that he cannot respond uh, when foreign judges want to listen to him. And it's also in the interests of the other members of the Lebanese uh, political and financial establishment because they are afraid that if he has to speak uh, before uh, a British or German or French judge, he would be tempted to uh, reveal uh, certain uh, secrets that could uh, bring down many other figures. Could it work the other way around and might you know, yes. his Lebanese elites give him up to save themselves and make him a scapegoat? Yes. So uh, his line of defense is that he is being uh, scapegoated. To a certain extent, it is true that uh, uh, his uh, associates uh, are trying today to uh, save uh, their own uh, careers and their own reputation, although they are very unlikely to be able to salvage their already severely damaged reputation. But uh, I do not think that they are really afraid because uh, everything Lebanon is such a small country. Everybody knows uh, what has been going on. And the problem is that there is zero accountability. So let's imagine in the best case scenario that Riyad Salami would skip the country, go to France, demand legal protection and start spilling the beans and telling the dirty secrets of all the other Lebanese politicians. I'm not even sure at this stage that those uh, uh, sectarian leaders' popularity will be affected. They will always find a way to deflect popular anger. This is exactly what's going on these days. They are always trying to find uh, uh, new scapegoats, whether Syrian refugees or sexual minorities, or to use every dirty trick in the book to evade accountability. Uh, Riyad Salemi has now gone. Lebanon's longtime intelligence head, Abbas Ibrahim, uh, he left his position in March. The army chief, Joseph Aoun, is going shortly. Even Nabir Berdi, uh, the longtime speaker of the house, he's 85 years old and uh, one way or another will have to step aside at some point. Are we seeing a new cohort of political elites in Lebanon. And have they learned from their predecessors? Well, uh, if we want to see the glass half full, uh, we could argue that a page is being turned, that a new generation will uh, soon take over. However, uh, a more pessimistic uh, reading would uh, lead us uh, to say that we are witnessing a full-fledged, a full-fledged uh, state collapse, uh, the progressive uh, hollowing uh, out of all uh, institutions that uh, Lebanese public servants are no longer showing up for work, that several senior positions are unoccupied, and uh, the risk of Lebanon heading towards uh, fragmentation is serious. So I think it will take a while 
before we see the emergence of this uh, uh, this uh, new generation of this new cohort of higher public servants and politicians because the current establishment is still digging in its heels and not only are they uh, digging their heels in but they are determined to protect their interests to uh, make sure that their uh, cronies uh, are uh, ready to uh, take over and keep protecting their interests if they ever leave the political scene. So uh, judging from the history of uh, Lebanon in the past 70 years, it is unlikely, even though uh, a page is being turned, it is unlikely that we will witness a significant renewal of uh, the Lebanese uh, elites. Mm. You know, someone's got to take over at the central bank. Um, Will it be a new page there or will it be someone in the similar mould to Salemi? Well, in the current circumstances with the uh, current political elites, uh, it will most probably be uh, someone who will uh, continue along the lines of Salame's policies. However, if a new president is elected, if this president is able to form a reform-minded government, and if this comes with the support of the international community, which would put pressure so that reforms are implemented and a deal with the International Monetary Fund is reached, then we would have some uh, serious chances of seeing uh, someone who would really represent a clean break at the helm of the central bank. So it will all depend on whether the international community, quote unquote, is ready to continue uh, threatening uh, local leaders with sanctions so that we see genuine behavior modification and the formation of a reformist government that uh, will uh, go ahead with the IMF deal. Because the irony is that in most other countries, when the IMF intervenes, the head of the central bank is uh, their foremost ally. Whereas in Lebanon, the financial elites, the bank shareholders and Riyad Salami were those who torpedoed the IMF negotiations and who torpedoed every single economic uh, reform uh, rescue proposal. So uh, as long as we have these vested interests controlling Lebanese politics and controlling uh, the Lebanese economy, it is unlikely that we will see uh, a genuine uh, reformist at the helm of the central bank. However, if international conditions change and we manage to get a package deal, a president a prime minister and a new head of the central bank, then uh, we could be a little bit more optimistic. But again, uh, the history shows that ultimately uh, the deep state, meaning uh, the bankocracy, the vested interests, uh, the importers, uh, the clergy, the intelligence services will keep uh, running this country as they have been running it since its proclamation, the proclamation of the state of greater Lebanon in 1920. My final question, what would you say Riyadh Salemi's legacy is? Uh, The Economist uh, yesterday uh, uh, had an interesting headline. They called him uh, the worst central bank 
governor in the world. They said he was a man who presided over the demise of the Lebanese economy. Uh, this uh, could appear grossly unfair uh, if we look at the past 30 years, but today most Lebanese would agree with the economists. They have been deprived of their life uh, savings. They witnessed Riyad Salami uh, completely losing touch with reality, succumbing to uh, hubris, refusing uh, to take even a minor part of responsibility. He has been in office for 30 years. He cannot blame his predecessors. Uh, let's assume that he is entirely innocent. He could at least have denounced the crimes and misdemeanors that were committed by the uh, political establishment that he has been serving. So in my mind, uh, his legacy is absolutely uh, will be absolutely devastating and he will enter uh, history books uh, in disgrace. All the previous governors of the central bank were highly esteemed uh, jurists who always respected uh, the Lebanese and international laws, who uh, always refused uh, any semblance of conflicts of interests and any conflict of interests. Uh, even uh, during the worst years of the civil war, one of his predecessors, Edmond Aim, managed to maintain uh, Lebanese uh, stability and to resist political pressure. Riyad Salami will enter history books as someone who was Rafiq Hariri's willing executioner uh, when it came to putting in place misguided monetary policies in the 1990s and who later was accused and probably guilty of uh, extremely serious charges of corruption, embezzlement, money laundering. This episode of the New Arab Voice was written and produced by me, Hugo Goodridge. Our theme music was by Omar El Phil. The New Arab Voice will be back next week. Until then, you can find all our previous episodes on all major podcast platforms. You can also check out our Instagram page and Twitter account, both at the New Arab Voice, for additional content. We also have a weekly newsletter which you can sign up for. Find the link in the show notes. You can subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode, and you can also rate and review, which helps us spread the word. Don't forget to follow The New Arab on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for all the latest news, analysis, and opinion from the region. <laughs>